Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Amazing to be here, and uh, I'm just going to share a bit this morning, uh, I guess from my journey, uh, as Pastor Kevin said, we, we moved to Manchester, um, you know, we moved from Sydney, Australia, it was 40 degrees the day we left Sydney, and uh, we moved into Manchester, it could only be God, um, you know, from the sunniest place in the world to the rainiest place in the world, and, uh, but we believe God's called us to, to change the city, and uh, you know, we've been talking to our team that there's this, there's this term that we've been kind of sharing with everybody, and it's the term naive, and uh, often it's used as like a negative term, a, there's negative connotations with the word, but uh, I looked up the meaning of the word naive once because I, you know, I just someone called me naive, and I and I thought, all right, cool, let's well, let's find out what that means because you know I'm not I'm not all that clever. I never went to you know university or anything, so and uh, so I looked up what the word naive means, and it means is to to believe in something in spite of previous circumstances or um, previous circumstances or events. I can't, I can't see. I can't even experiences. That's the word I'm looking for. To believe in something in spite of previous circumstances or experience, and uh, and I read that and I thought, all right, that, that's kind of what I want to be. You know, you're you're saying that as a negative term, but I actually want to be naive because I want to look at what's happened in the past, the previous failings and events that have gone on in my life, and yet still believe that God can do more. And so, you know, we you know we are young. I might look like I'm 17. I'm not. I'm a bit older than that. Um, you know, we are young, but we're 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 fired up to start a church that's going to change a city. Um, you know, we believe that people are going to come to know Jesus, and we are honestly going to make a, a big difference for Jesus. And and trying not to to shy back. You know, sometimes you get the temptation to shy back with your dreams because all of us, uh, I hope, would have dreams for the future of our lives. And and so, and I'm one who is a as a young person, I was a big dreamer. I was a big dreamer. You know. Just a, a bit of my uh, journey. I became a Christian when I was 16. Uh, I met Becky at school, and uh, she was a Christian. I wasn't. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of something called flirt to convert. Um, <clears throat> but I was, um, you know, here it works. Here I am today, you know, a product of a great evangelism tool. So um, be, be released into that if you see it as your gifting. Um, single people. You go for it. And, uh, and so I met Becky at school, and uh, truth is I fell head over heels in love with her, and I did a lot of the chasing. She did a lot of the swatting away. And, uh, and so eventually, you know, she got me along to church. My first experience at church was I thought, man, this is pretty weird. Um, Becky's dad was preaching, and I thought, he was pretty weird. And so, uh, you know, and so I went away from church kind of thinking, like, it's cool because they're all, you know, such good friends, but probably, you know, not for me. This is around May two thousand and. Uh, someone and uh, and and we were then I spent the whole summer with this bunch of young adults um, in, in the church and we just kind of hung out and did life together and gradually over that summer God was really working on my heart and uh, eventually in October that year I was in our Brighton INC church actually and um, you know Ashley Schmira was you know just shouting about something I'm not sure but he's a he's a, the international president of our movement and uh, and so and I remember you know wanting to give my life to Christ because I'd, I'd realized that you know I'd, I'd later realized that it actually said it in the Bible in John 10:10 10, 10, that Jesus comes to give us life and life to the full. Uh, I realized over that summer that I had life. You know, I, I wasn't one of these people that needed a crutch to lean on. I, I had a good life. I was doing well at college. I, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to, um, you know, I had good friends, good family. You know, everything around me was okay. Um, you know, I had my first car at 17, Peugeot 306. Come on. <laughs> Black beauty. And, uh, 
and uh, used to leak inside the passenger footwell. It was about this much water. It was just amazing, amazing car. You know, life was great. It was sweet. And, uh, but, you know, I realized that I had life, but I didn't have it to the full. You know, these guys had something more than I did. 17 years old, gave my life to Jesus. And um, six months later, six months later, we were at a youth camp. And, uh, you know, John, John Smiley was preaching, actually. Uh, John Smiley was preaching. We had an amazing night, uh, one of the final nights of the youth camp. The worship was amazing. And, uh, and I remember that was the night that God first really touched my life in, in a tangible way. You know, I'd, I'd come to know that Jesus was Lord, but I hadn't had a, a full-on encounter with his presence. And, and that was the first night for me. And it was the first time I ever really felt God speak to me, speak so clearly into my life. And I felt him say to me that my call, that my destiny was to lead a generation. Uh, that was that was what I was you know meant to do and how that looked uh, in the future I didn't really know right then all I knew was that I just became passionate about leading a generation to know Jesus and you know that those kind of just three words really have taken us on quite a long journey over the years they've um, you know uh, given us an amazing um, season in e- uh, Eastbourne Church uh, INC Eastbourne Church down there right on the south coast um, it's called the Sunshine Coast of England just in case you wondered all the Australians go there and think like what <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, just, uh, you know, spending a lot of time there. And then obviously we got the opportunity to go to Australia. Uh, so which is where uh, we went to a church there where, um, you know, real tragic circumstances. The youth pastor had actually taken his own life. Um, just real, real tragic circumstances. But um, felt the call of God just to go and um, respond and help and, uh, and be a help in that transitionary time. So um, we did. We went to Australia and, um, and now we're kind of back here. All along we knew that we would plant a church um, in England. You know, it's tempting to uh, stay in the nice sunny weather sometimes, you know, in the 40 degree weather and uh, go to the beach every day but um, I moved to I moved to Sydney thinking it's going to be amazing I'm just going to go running on the beach every day and it's going to be awesome and then I was like 45 minutes from the beach in Sydney because Sydney's like this huge place so I was like oh, to, to, to sack with that I'm going to go back to England and so we came back to England and uh, and here we are you know wanted to start a church and, and so that's kind of a you know a real kind of short um, version of, of the journey I, I wouldn't normally go into as much detail as that though but this morning I, I felt to because um, you know the passage of scripture I want to share from is is really the passage of scripture that's got me through those times. Um, it's got me through the times when uh, it was hard. It's got me through the times when it has been difficult because for 10 years I've been a Christian and you know, I'm sure there's many of you here that have been a Christian longer than I have, uh, you know, and had harder experiences than I have. But there's times when you have those experiences and you need a word from God. There's times when you have experiences and there's only a word from God that will get you through to the other side. And for me, this was the, this was the word that God has given me over the last few years that's really, um, you know, has helped me get through. And I honestly believe is going to help me through to the end of my life. This is one of those scriptures that I believe will just continually stay with me for all of my days. See, uh, what my life had become about, you know, especially maybe two, three, four years ago is because God had spoken to me at a young age about dream. He'd given me a big dream. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a big dreamer. You know, I like to dream. Uh, I like to see something in the distance and go for it. And I, I had this distant dream. I had this, uh, you know, ideal of where we felt God was calling us to go. But so often it felt like we, we kind of were getting held up. We were kind of going in circles. And for me, it had become like there was a, a dream in the distance, but there was no traction on the journey. You know, there, there was something in the distance that we, we were called to, that we wanted to go to. But, but right now on the journey, it feels like we're not going anywhere. You know, like when you're in mud and your car wheels just keep spinning and spinning. And, or you're on the treadmill, like, you know, they're from the devil, those things. You know, you're on the treadmill and, you know, pointless because you're running, but you're going nowhere. You know, I just, what's the point in that? You know, I want to go somewhere. I'm one of those people that just wants to go somewhere, you know. And, and we had this dream. We had this 
picture of where we felt God was taking us, but I just felt like we weren't getting there. And, and God really spoke to me in this passage of Scripture, and it really you know, helped me in that phase. You know, There was times when it was the, maybe the leaders we were working with, the, the leaders above us, the leaders with us, the, the people we were trying to lead, and it just caused such frustration around us just because you know, people are people, and we all rub against, up against each other sometimes, and it creates difficulties when you have interpersonal um, you know, difficulties. It can be something that really tries to stop your momentum in life because you can be held back by things and uh, you know sometimes it was financial things you know we were trying to move forward to where God had us but these financial situations kept hitting us like a brick to the back of the head and it's like God we're trying to get somewhere here hello you know I know it's your plan but it doesn't feel like you're doing much to get me there sometimes you know I don't know if anybody else has ever felt like that but um, you know I think maybe I'm speaking to a few people today because you know and I experienced this and and it was like an ongoing frustration for me and then God spoke to me uh, from a passage of scripture which I want to share with you today because I'm amazed to know that actually the Bible does speak into our situations a lot more than we realize. Our frustrations, our difficulties, the trials in our life, the Bible does clearly speak to us in all of those situations. So we're going to turn to a passage of scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, my, I dropped my iPad on the concrete this morning. So uh, yeah, so it's a bit cracked. So if there's anything doctrinally incorrect, it's, you know, that's why I've read it wrong. <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, I'll give you a bit of background before we jump into this scripture. Um, Israel, the people of God. God's people, His chosen people. Um, they've come out of Egypt for a while now. Um, they're, you know, they're in the promised land, um, but they're trying to they're trying to do life like everybody else. You know, they, they're seeing other nations and they're seeing that they all have their own king. You know, they've got God whom they can, you know, their leader can go to and relate to for them. But everybody else has got a natural, touchable, you know, tasteable, if that be your, you know, desire, uh, king. You know, you've got someone they can touch and see and smell, and he's, you know, their physical presence of a king. Every other nation had that and the nation of Israel said well we want a king like them too you know it sounds like so many Christians sometimes is we say oh we just want to live like everybody else you know it's too hard too confusing to serve a God we can't touch sometimes you know I, uh, you know, I want to understand what I'm, you know I want to be able to understand everything when God doesn't want us to understand everything you couldn't understand everything about God he's too big and anyway and so so I ran over uh, and so the Israelites they want a king and, and God you know eventually if you ask God enough for something you know uh, often he'll give you it so he, he kind of relents and says you know okay you can have your earthly king I'll give it to you. Uh, and so then there's, uh, as before we get into this story, there's, a, there's an interchange where there's this man called Saul. Saul, who will eventually become the first king of Israel. Uh, and his father, Kish, he, he sends him out. You know, Saul, he was a, the Bible tells us he was a bit like me. He was a head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, so, you know, in case you didn't see any of the worship, that was my fault. Sorry, I was in your way. Um, but then it says he was the most handsome man in the land. So that's where that falls apart, you know, that whole idea. But... Um, but he was tall anyway. So um, Saul was this big, striking, you know, um, you know, strong man. And he was his father's son, yeah, obviously. Um, he was the son of Kish. And, uh, and Kish sent him out because they lost some donkeys. They lost some donkeys. Uh, and his father sent his son, Saul, to go and find these donkeys. And, uh, you know, and, and so they go out on this journey to try and find these donkeys. And, uh, you know, across the arid, dry land. And uh, Saul and his, uh, and his friend are off to find these donkeys. And, uh, and this is where we jump in, in First Samuel. Samuel chapter 9 and verse 15. I'm going to read about five verses. I hope that's okay. Um, so um, jump in at verse 15, First Samuel chapter 9. It says this, Now the Lord had told Samuel, Samuel who's the prophet, the, the, the spokesperson, the voice, uh, the voice man of God. The Lord had told Samuel the previous day, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people. 
Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, That is the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, Can you please tell me where the seer's house is? They, they'd got to... Uh, thanks, man. They'd got to Samuel, where Samuel lived. They'd, on their journey to find the donkeys, they'd kind of stumbled upon where, stumbled upon, you know, where Samuel uh, was living. Verse 18, Just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, Can you please tell me where the seer's house or the prophet's house is? I am the prophet, Samuel replied. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat there together, and in the morning I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't you worry about these stupid donkeys that were lost three days ago. That's Ben Donovan version. Um, About these donkeys that were uh, lost three days ago, for they have been found get this i'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of israel's hopes amazing uh, amazing passage of scripture i believe just one of the highlights that i've found in the bible that has so spoken to me and directed my life and honestly helped me through so many tricky situations see here's the thing about saul is saul was a man who, who who wasn't looking for anything you know he wasn't looking for power, you know, he, the Bible doesn't tell us at this moment in his life. Now, Saul didn't end too well in the Bible, but let's just look at the, what he, you know, did do well here at the beginning. You know, Saul, he, he in this moment wasn't looking for power. You know, he wasn't looking for prominence. He, he wasn't looking for, uh, you know, for to be able to get a position, to be able to get influence over people. All he was doing was looking for some donkeys that his father had sent him to do, and he had this encounter with destiny. Almost, you might, it might seem like accident. It's almost like he stumbles into destiny. But how many of you know there's no accidents with God? There's no accidents with God. God had a purpose with Saul here, and it's amazing. <coughs> This scripture that says that because he continues on this journey of faithfulness and continues to walk and follow and try to find the donkeys for his father, he ends up in Samuel's house, ends up being anointed as the king, and the prophecy over him is that the hopes of the nation would be on his shoulders. And I feel like today, I don't really, I don't have too many points for you. Really, I've just got one point for you. One thing that I want you to go away from today knowing is that the hopes of a nation rest on the shoulders of the faithful. The hopes of this city rest on the shoulders of the faithful. The hopes of your family rest on the shoulders of the faithful. The hopes of your school, your university, your workplace, your neighborhood rest on the shoulders of the faithful. See, here we find Saul and he's being faithful in the seemingly insignificant. I can't tell you how many times I've felt like I'm in a situation and it feels like it's insignificant. Now, that's not to disrespect anyone or anything, but there's moments in time where you're like, why the heck am I doing what I'm doing? Anybody been there? You know, why am I going in these circles? Why am I in this job? Why, you know, why am I in this situation? Why am I taking this class? You know, why did I have this kid? You know, and, uh, no, just me? No. James? No. <laughs> You know, you're going in these circles, like, what, why am I even here? And it seems like it's insignificant, but all along, God has a plan to take you to your destiny. And the thing I, I'm beginning to find, you know, I'm on a learning journey, but I'm beginning to find about our generation is that we're so fixated on the destination that we forget to enjoy the journey. We're so fixated on where God might take us in the future, the, the great things ahead, that we miss the great things now. 
Because every day is filled with greatness. Every day is filled with great things ahead for us. And so often we, we miss them because we're so focused on what God has ahead for us. And so it's amazing really that, that this passage of Scripture would just so, so speak into our lives, you know, because so often we, we kind of go searching for destiny, don't we? I, maybe it is just me. I'm a, you know, kind of one of those people that just wants to get up and, and, and get it, you know, just go and get my destiny. And, and, but I, I kind of began to learn on this journey that, that destiny isn't something you find, you know, destiny is something that is released onto your life. Destiny is not something that you can, you know, search for and look for and, and find whenever you want to find it. Or, you know, we often feel like, man, if I just get, you know, strong enough in my faith, if I just pray enough, you know, if I just read my Bible enough consecutive days in a row, then God will surely bless me. You know, and we get this kind of mentality that, you know, we have to do good in order to get good. But that's not how Christianity works. We, we bring our bad and Jesus gives us his good, you know, because that's good, just how good Jesus is. And, uh, you know, and we try and do what we can to get to our destiny, but destiny isn't something we find, it's something that is released upon us. And I began to hear from God, and it's like, man, it all begins to make sense. And I said to some of the guys, I think it was last night, we were with some of the youth and young adults leaders, and it's like, it's amazing how hindsight's 2020 vision, you know? You look back over hindsight, and, it's, and you can see quite clearly everything, but you, I only wish that foresight was like that, you know, you could see 2020. But, but it's amazing now, as I look back on that journey, and, and 10 years, which, you know, to many of us here might feel like a short time. You might be like, you know, quit whining, you know, quit your jibber-jabber, fool, and uh, get some nuts, yeah. Sorry, that's a bit rude, sorry. And uh, that's Mr. T, Snickers advert, just in case you wanted, not being really weird. And, uh, you know, but for me, 10 years, it, felt, it feels like it's been a long time. Of, there's been frustrations, there's been, there's been trials, there's, there's been challenges, just like everybody here in this place, I'm sure. But I'm encouraged to know that God had a plan in all of it. I'm encouraged to know that every day of my life, God was building me so that I could become the man that a woman, not a woman, that was for you, not for me. <laughs> I was meant to include you, not to, you know, discredit me and my agenda. Um, <laughs> but, you know, God has called me to be, he was, he was training me, raising me and, and fashioning me and shaping me to become the person I was called to be. Because, you know, the reason that tests come along and trials come along is not to destroy me, is not to kill me, is not to get me down, but it actually is caused, uh, bring to build me up, to, to make me become who God has called me to be. It's amazing how quickly, you know, we go through school, we go through university, we go through that stage of our lives, and we know that we have to pass a test in order to get to the next grade. We, we have to pass our tests at school in order to be able to go to university. And it's amazing how quickly we, we can forget that actually to go to the next level, we have to pass a test. And a test comes along, it's like, what? I'm a Christian. I don't need no tests. I don't know. I'm getting all black up in here. I don't know why. Um, I don't know where that came from. It was a devil. I don't know. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. Um, but you know, we, we think that, oh, because I'm a Christian, I shouldn't be tested. Oh, I shouldn't have these trials, these challenges. I'm a Christian. But actually, because you're a Christian, you should stand up and face it all the more. Because God wants to get you to the next level of faith, the next level of your career. Amazing testimony, Neil. Like you kind of almost preached my message here, you know, just about the timing of God. You think that, you know, sometimes it's hard to understand, but God has a plan for your life. And you've got to, we've got to learn, we've got to trust God more with our lives. See, so many of us, the challenge is that we want to understand everything. But He's the God that's beyond our understanding. If we could understand everything about God, then He wouldn't truly be God. And so we have to be a people that learn to be able to say yes to God, even though we might not know why we're doing it. I love Stephen Furtick quote. He says, if you, want to, uh, if you want to be freed from the tyranny of normality, then you need to learn to obey a God who generally doesn't do details. 
If you want to be freed from the tyranny of normality, then you need to be uh, willing to obey a God who doesn't often do details. And, uh, you know, sometimes that can frustrate us and confuse us, but God has a plan. Amen? And so maybe, you know, um, some of you are saying here today, well, you know, that's easy for you to say, but there's these things that are going on in my life and it's, it's hard to trust God sometimes. But I look back at this passage of Scripture and there's many, uh, you know, instances where Saul could have given up. You, you know, the first challenge I see for Saul was it could have been too hard. You know, too hard to stay faithful to God. Too hard to stay faithful in the seemingly insignificant thing. You know, the, the Bible teaches us that they, they go on this, this journey um, and later on Samuel says, you know, three days ago, these donkeys were lost and now, now they're found. So for three days, they've been searching for these donkeys, you know. Um, probably the Bible doesn't tell it to us specifically, but probably on foot, um, you know, probably uh, either that or, or on a donkey kind of, you know, traveling across dry land, you know, hot area of the world, looking for these donkeys for three days. This is a, this is a hard journey. This is a hard, like, what, what are we even doing here? These are donkeys. I mean, they're not like they're, you know, prize horses or anything. They're flipping donkeys. Yeah. And here we are. This is too, why, why are we doing this? This is too hard. This is too, and, and many of us, we can have that moment in our lives when we're like, man, this is too, you know, yes, I should be faithful in the small things, but you know what, God, this is just too hard. You know, this is costing me too much. This is too much sacrifice. This is costing my family too much. This is costing me uh, in my career too much. This is, you know, this what is too hard. God, I, I don't know if I can stay faithful in this thing you've called me to. Uh, I remember, um, again, to mention Pastor Ashley, our international president of INC, he uh, came to our Eastbourne church once and um, he was kind of prophesying over everybody at the end. And, and it was just a great time, you know, and he was, um, you know, he's a, just... A, really does move in the prophetic real accurately and, and powerfully and so I remember he was prophesying over me and, uh, and, and Becky and, and then he was just praying for Becky something beautiful like you know you're an amazing woman of God and you're going to you know, change the world something really amazing and then he came to me and, uh, and then so he kind of prophesied he was praying and, and then he just kind of stopped for a moment and I kind of opened my eyes and I saw him grimacing I'm like that can't be good and, uh, and he just begins to prophesy you know and he just says I just see so much pain I just, I just see so much pain over your life. And I'm like, yes, Lord, more, Lord, more. And, uh, you know, I just see so much pain over your life. And I'm like, all right, also. And then just oh, it keeps praying. It's like, there's pain ahead, but, you know, God will be faithful. And, you know, that Christian kind of, it's will be okay. And then, uh, you know, and then I'm kind of sat down on the floor and he's praying for more people. And, he, and he, he's midway through praying for the next person. Stops, come back to me. He's like, I can't even concentrate. I'm praying for the next person. I just see so much pain for you. I just see it's going to be pain. You know, I'm on the floor. He's like standing over me. Pain, pain, pain. Uh, yes, Lord, more, Lord. And, uh, and for, do you know what? Honestly, after that, I'm like, what was that even about? You know, and, and for a long time after that, I kid you not, this was you know, maybe five or six years ago. Uh, and for two or three years, I'm like, what was he even on about? Like, did he just lose his mind in the moment? You know, was it just like a power trip or something? Pain on your life. Pain on your life. <laughs> and I'm just so like, I did not understand it. But then as I read this passage of Scripture, God began to speak to my heart. And he said, actually, do you know what, Ben? This, this isn't the pain of disappointment. This isn't the pain of, of hurts and failures in your life. But actually, I'm calling you to be faithful in the small. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be painful. And I read a, a, a quote that said this, that you know, every day we can choose in our lives, we can choose the pain of discipline or the pain of disappointment. We can choose the pain of discipline 
or we can choose the pain of disappointment. And I realized when God began to speak to me, the pain that he was prophesying over me wasn't of hurt, of failure, of rejection, but the pain he was prophesying over me was what it was going to take to fulfill the call of God on my life. Because every one of us must go through pain. Every one of us must go through trials and hard times. But the word of God is clear. If we stay faithful in the seemingly insignificant, God will lead us into our destiny. The hopes of a nation rest on the shoulders of the faithful. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's, uh, you know, maybe it's too hard. Some might say it's too hard. Some might say it's too confusing. You know, often I've kind of touched upon it already, but you know, often we don't understand why God is calling us to do what he's called us to do. You know, why, why is God, if God is God, if God loves me, if God has a destiny for me, then why am I going through these challenges? Uh, why am I every month not meeting the bills? Why, why is my car keep blowing up like this? Why does my family keep having these, you know, arguments? Why, why does it seem like my family's breaking apart? Why did I lose my job like that? Why did I get made redundant? You know, all the, I don't understand, God. You said you love me but these hard things are going on and we see this again with Saul it's like he, he actually says this he said surely my dad cares more about me than these donkeys you know and you can almost feel the you know the, just the confusion in Saul's voice surely my dad cares more about me his son you know one of the most powerful men in the kingdom surely he feels more about me than these stupid donkeys Surely, you know, there's this confusion. He, he doesn't understand why he's, he's doing what he's got to do. But it's amazing that someone, just get, his friend just gets around him and says, no, come on, we've got to keep going. We've got to keep pressing in. We've got to keep finding these donkeys. And, and Saul begins to, you know, encourage himself. And he says, you know, I'm going to stay faithful in the small. And what he does is he just keeps on walking step by step. He may not understand it, but continues to keep on walking. I, I remember a time we went on, on mission trip to Ukraine. I don't know if you, is it the Ukraine or Ukraine? One of the two. Yeah, it's just it's Ukraine, that kind of bit near Russia. And uh, we went there, and um, we went there on a, a mission trip, and we went to Crimea, which is where a lot of the unrest has been recently. And so we went to uh, we went to the beach there on our day off. We did a mission trip where we did lots of um, you know outreach and like a youth conference, I think that year. And, um, and we went to the beach one day, and uh, Pastor Yuri, who was like uh, the pastor there and was going to be our guide for the day, we went to the beach and we stopped in the car park of the beach and went onto this glorious sandy beach. And so from England so Sandy Beach is a Sandy Beach this is amazing you know and, uh, and so we were there uh, but we carried on walking and we were like okay this is a hot day it's you know 30, 35 degrees he's got us walking along the sand with our bags on our back you know this sand is the same as that sand you know um, that sand is the same as this why, you know, why we continue to walk and 5 minutes 10 minutes goes by we continue walking we're all parched you know we're like what, why are we even doing this and 15 20 minutes go, I kid you by 30 minutes go by we're walking along the beach and there's grumbles in the camp we're like what are doing this sand is the same this beach is the same as the beach two miles back that way why are we doing this where are we going there's nothing in sight that we could feel like we were walking to and then all of a sudden after 30 minutes it's felt like just so randomly it's like it's like a dog you know yep yep it's good right we're gonna stop here and i'm like we're all out what what's he doing this is the same well i don't understand why it's the same this is all the other beaches and so we stopped there and about 20 minutes we're just sitting there like what is why are we doing you know we're just sitting there just you know, parched and wasting away, and we're like, why are we doing this? And so eventually, um, we begin to realise because all of a sudden there's shouts and there's screams from uh, in the sea, and uh, there's some of the Ukrainians are out there and they're waving us, come out, come out. And all of a sudden, we realise there's like a sandbank, of, you know, two, three hundred metres out from the from the shore. There's a sandbank, and they're all standing up knee high. And so we run out there, we run out, see what's going on, and all of a sudden, uh, honestly, I kid you not, fifteen, twenty metres away, dolphins start jumping out of the water. 
and it's just flying past and like honestly so close and we're like this is unreal and he knew all along that that was the spot where the dolphins came up but none of us ever knew that and I just remember thinking like how much is that like our lives so often we're walking the journey and we don't know what our leader knows we don't know what God knows but we just got to keep walking step by step we just got to keep trusting that he is leading us to where we're meant to be sometimes it's confusing sometimes we don't understand why but it's about having a trust in a God who knows what he's doing because the hopes of a nation rest on the shoulders of the faithful and that you know obviously brings me to my you know the last sort of challenge that I just want to you know briefly address obviously like I said Saul had someone with him you know he had someone with him who uh, spoke into his journey he said you know come on Saul you know, you might be discouraged, you might be you know, a bit dejected, you might be a bit down, but come on, let's, let's find these donkeys, let's stay faithful in this. So, you know, some of you might say, well, I'm too lonely to be faithful because all of us need friends, right? All of us need people that are going to encourage people uh, around our lives. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a cliche, it's a catchy statement, but it's true. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And, uh, and so for me, it was, a, again, it was one of those times when I, I saw that and I, I realized I've got to get the right people around my life. If I'm going to be faithful in the seemingly insignificant, I've got to get the right people in my life. The people that are going to grab me and, you know, give me a slap when I'm talking stupid. You know, when I'm saying, oh man, this is just a waste of time. And I admit, you know, unfortunately I did that a few times. And, um, you know, just kind of let my mouth run off and let my attitudes get bad sometimes. But I'm just so thankful that I had people in my life, uh, mainly my wife, that would just take the pleasure in slapping me. And, uh, uh, you know, people in my life that would just say, Ben, just shut up stay faithful to what God's called you to just keep walking the journey because there's great things ahead and uh, you know for me all those challenges I've faced and there's many more that we could uh, I'm sure address it in that passage of scripture but for me it's just an amazing realization that what I do day to day is significant what I do every day and every single person in this place because there's this um, read a book just recently by um, a guy called Eugene Peterson he um, did the message translation of the Bible this book called The Jesus Way you know brilliant book and um, and he, he talks about this thing called the, the laity myth the laity myth you know um, and he talks about it in the Bible that there's um, sorry in this book that there's so often this um, there's this myth that we have this understanding that there's the laity you know the people that are um, ordained for ministry and um, you know there's this these set apart people Pastor Kevin Pastor Shell um, you know that, that are set apart to do the ministry and actually it's, it's nowhere in the Bible you know it, it's a myth um, even um, you know even when the first English translation of the Bible the first man to translate whose names escaped my mind um, right now but the first guy to ever translate the Bible um, into English and um, yeah no 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 not him um, Tyndall, yeah, there you go, William Tyndall. Uh, it was coming the end, and uh, you know, I remember reading about him, and uh, there was there was five, you know, the Catholic Church. The reason that he had to go um, and be a fugitive around Europe in the 1500s was because um, the Catholic Church disagreed with five words he translated um, from the, uh, you know, from the original text into English. Five words, and one of them was all about the, you know, the power of the uh, the priests. You know, he, you know, the the priesthood. We are a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and uh, and how the Catholic Church wanted to keep the power for the leaders so that they could maintain power over the people but Tyndall was like that's not what the scripture says that's not what the scripture says every single one of us is significant you know we might have different titles we might have different roles but every one of us has the same significance in the kingdom of God and uh, every single one of us though it might seem insignificant the day by day journey we go on let God call us to a place where we stay faithful in the seemingly insignificant and so for, for me like a statement that I try and remember is this I, I try and say to myself I will be like Saul and no matter what comes my way I will be faithful in the small 
it rhymes and I like that, you know. I've never really grown up, so. <laughs> I will be like Saul, and no matter what comes my way, I will be faithful in the small. So I'd love to encourage you, church, this morning that, um, you know, just, and take some encouragement from our journey that, uh, honestly, we're nothing special. The fact that we get the privilege of starting a church is, um, you know, one of the biggest miracles I've ever heard because we're nothing special. All, all my life's been about is just trying to make the decision every day that I'm going to be faithful in what God's called me to today. And if I can just keep taking this step today, then step by step it builds upon itself. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis, I think it was, said that good and evil work like compound interest. You know, the more you just keep taking those steps of good, the more you keep taking those steps, the more it builds and builds. You know, compound interest being something that exponentially grows as you keep adding consistently day by day. And, uh, and that's what all of our lives should be about is these next steps I'm just going to keep taking in faithfulness to God. And, uh, you know, it's amazing really that three days, you know, three days those donkeys were lost. And here's, for me, one of the most significant things is that actually Saul was on this journey for three days, but the Bible tells us that when God speaks to Samuel, he says, about this time tomorrow, I'm going to send you a man. And so, again, I'm not amazing at maths, but about this time tomorrow, God says to Samuel, but they were on a journey for three days, which tells me that they were already on the journey for two days before God ever spoke about anointing him to be king. And when I saw that, I'm like, man, how often do I wait you know, I wait for God to speak or I wait for someone to show me something of the future, something to entice me with when God's calling me not to wait for something to be offered for me, but just to take a step. God's not called me just to, you know, if I see a, you know, a reason to do something, do it. Or if I, if I see, you know, an enticement to be faithful, to be faithful, God's just calling me to take a step. And I wonder if Saul had never been faithful or looking for the donkeys, would he have ever been anointed to be king? Because if he couldn't be faithful in finding donkeys, could he have been faithful in leading a nation? Probably not. And so it was amazing for me when I, I discovered this. I'm like, man, I've just got to keep taking those steps. And whether I feel like God's moving or not, or whether it feels good or whether it feels bad, uh, whether it's confusing or it all makes sense, uh, whether it's hard or whether it's easy, i just got to keep taking the steps. So I, I, like I said, i just love to encourage you. I will be like Saul. No matter what it costs, no matter where it leads, I will be faithful in the small because the hopes of the nation rest on the shoulders of the faithful. The hopes of Aberdeen, they rest on the shoulders of a, a company of people that say we'll be faithful to the word of God. The, the small things, whatever it takes, my family, my, my workplace, my university, their, their hopes, they rest on the shoulders of the faithful.